Hello, folks, and welcome into our weekly opponent preview show of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh, and I'm happy, as always, to be joined by K-State Online's Derek Young. Derek, thanks so much for coming on, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Just get out of press conferences, so hopefully I have plenty of updates for everyone. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to those updates all week. Uh, good to have you with us. And one update I think that Kansas State fans and Texas fans alike are looking to see uh, is the question mark at quarterback for the Wildcats. Adrian Martinez goes down a couple weeks ago against TCU with injury. And then the junior backup, Will Howard, comes in, takes over for him, and leads Kansas State to four straight touchdowns against TCU. Then has a monster game last week against Oklahoma State, just short of 300 yards and four touchdowns on that one. All that considered. Uh, the two-part question, sort of, what's the latest on Adrian Martinez? And number two, if he's healthy, is he even the guy going forward? Yeah, those are both exceptional questions that we probably don't even have the answer to at this point. I, I could probably give you uh, my projection on how I think it would shake out, or at least what I would do, but who knows how Kansas State will approach this. The interesting part of that is Adrian Martinez was, you know, in full uniform, pads, helmet, everything uh, prior to the game against Oklahoma State, throughout the game against Oklahoma State. And he was getting the first uh, first string reps even in the, the warm-ups when they were going 7-on-7, uh, 11-on-11. Seven seven, 11 11. Adrian Martinez was the guy and, uh, you know, taking the first nap. So we all just assumed and even tweeted out at the time, yeah, Adrian Martinez must be starting, right? He's the first quarterback up in just about every drill. But lo and behold, it, it's Will Howard and – and then he goes off and has a career day. So we're left with a lot of mystery and a lot of uncertainty. Um, after the game, Chris Kleiman said that they, you know, the plan, and it was a true game time decision. The plan was to for Adrian Martinez to basically try it out, see how he felt, what he thought about his ability um, to be able to do most or everything that was going to be asked of him in accordance to that game plan. And quite frankly, he was honest and openly admitted that he wasn't completely comfortable with everything that might be asked of them to for that particular game so they decided to go with will howard and all we have since then is that chris Kleiman said that adrian martinez is getting closer and that uh, basically it'll be a game time decision once again um now even if adrian martinez is healthy is he the guy that's probably even a bigger question that i don't necessarily know here's my take on it, at least what I would do, and I have a sneaky suspicion what Kansas State will do, is that I think that they can probably, just because, I mean, Will Howard is such a hot hand right now. I mean, um, the way he played in the first half against TCU, and really carried it over into the second half. They should have had a touchdown in that half. They had two missed field goals as well. It's not like they didn't do anything in the second half against TCU. And then he lights it up, you know, throughout the game against Oklahoma State last week. I would stick with that hot hand, and I think you can almost use it both as ammunition and to protect Adrian Martinez in a way, is that he's not 100%. And with him, you need his legs, right? That That's that's a lot of what made this offense go when he was the quarterback. They, they actually struggled a little bit to throw it with Adrian Martinez, but his legs were such a weapon. And if he's not 100%, then I think you can use that as ammunition not to play him at least another week. Uh, and and have that as as a defense mechanism, especially when I think his health matters even more than Will Howard's. Will Howard's not 100%, but he's more of a pocket passer, a guy to sling it around. If Adrian Martinez isn't 100%, I think that takes away some of the good things that he can do. 
And we'll talk about Martinez's legs here in a little bit when we touch more on the Kansas State offense. But I want to go back to last week. A bit of a shock to me. I don't know if it's a shock to Kansas State fans, but certainly a shock to us in Austin. Um, Talking about the team as a whole now, unbelievable showing against Oklahoma State. 48 to nothing shutout over Mike Gundy and the Cowboys. What went into that and what stood out to you from that performance, maybe besides everything? Yeah, it probably shocked everybody. I think it shocked most of Kansas State fans. I don't think if you would have told them that they won by a thin margin that they would have been shocked after all. And some were even surprised by this, quite frankly, because of how banged up Kansas State was after that TCU game. I mean, they had seven or eight starters entering the game questionable, at least. It might have been more than that. But they were still a one-and-a-half, two-point favorite, uh, even against that. Oklahoma State pretty banged up as well. Uh, what went right? Just about everything. The the whole next-man-up mentality that you know every team likes to mention – likes to hang their hat on. Kansas State certainly did that. They didn't have perhaps, you know, probably the, one of their best three or four players on the defensive side of the ball in Daniel Green. I mean, everybody knows Daniel Green. He was all Big 12 first team to begin the season. He didn't play. Nick Allen played. Nick Allen was exposed a little bit against TCU, and he played his butt off uh, against Oklahoma State, was not exposed in that game. Austin Moore's the other linebacker. Kansas State plays a 3-3-5. One's a Sam linebacker that's a little bit of a hybrid with, you know, a defensive back safety kind of thing. And that, that was Khalid Duke. And he missed the first half against Oklahoma State because he, he got flagged for targeting in the second half against TCU. So they were without two starting linebackers, um, at least for a half, and still were able to shut out what had been a potent Oklahoma State offense. I mean, they kind of had their way against Texas even the week before. So uh, the defensive showing, that's the big thing. And they struggle. Kansas State have been pretty good on third down as a defense throughout the year, but that's where they kind of fell apart against TCU, where that, that was the first time where they didn't fare that well in that department. But they held Oklahoma State to five for 15 on third down. So you're getting off the field. I think they were, Oklahoma State was like another – they were over on fourth down as well. So that just kind of adds to it. I think they turned them over on downs three times, I want to say. So the Kansas State defense, you know, rising to the occasion that way, I think that's pretty phenomenal. It helped that Braden Johnson didn't play for Oklahoma State. It helped that Dominique Richardson didn't play for Oklahoma State. But Spencer Sanders is still the quarterback. He's been there forever. They have a pretty good offensive line, and I think those starters returned outside of Hunter Woodard. So Kansas State just played an exceptional ball game on the defensive side of the ball. I think Austin Moore is probably one of the best defensive players in the conference that nobody knows about yet. Daniel Green was the – all Big 12 linebacker that Kansas State had before the season, but Austin Moore's probably been the best one. Um, he's probably been their best defensive player altogether, first or second, depending on how you want to slot him. And, of course, Felix Anudike Uzama, and he's the household name that everybody knows. He's getting double, triple teamed basically every snap, but he's still second in the nation in sacks, so you got to like that. And offensively, it was just Will Howard lighting it up. They, all of a sudden, they're finding receivers in the passing game where they weren't. Um, they they threw the ball for 200 yards, I think, one time before Will Howard became the quarterback. So that kind of shows you that the, the shift to the passing game has been effective since he's kind of went in and inserted himself at the quarterback position. Obviously, Texas fans know who Deuce Vaughn is, so I don't really have to go into that. But he's, he's certainly a weapon. Kansas State relies on him about as much as anyone relies on one player in the entire country. I, I think his usage is like near 50%. So that's the guy that, you know, Texas has to know where he's at at all times. And like Chris Kleiman said today, the most improved position group for Kansas state start to finish or start to right now in big 12 plays probably been their offensive line. Um, that unit's come a long way. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And speaking of that rushing game, uh, I think that's part of the matchup that really interests me the most coming into this week, and that's the Kansas State rushing attack versus the Texas defense. K-State, top 15 rushing offense in the country, and Longhorns are a top 35 rushing defense in the country. Wildcats have nearly 2,000-yard rushers already in Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez if he comes back. So obviously that's going to be a focal point for this Texas defense. Uh, how do the Wildcats get this run game going in you know, such a – such against such a stout group that has really been good. They faced some top tier running backs like Jameer Gibbs already this season. How do they get it going? Yeah, that'll be a test. Uh, they are sometimes struggle against teams that have a little bit a bigger nose guard, and certainly Texas are and bigger in the on the interior of the defense. Certainly Texas is that. So that'll be the challenge I think for them is how well they can block in the interior. It helps that you have Cooper Beavy, but sometimes Hayden Gillum and Hadley Panzer, both first-year starters, uh, struggle with a little bit more size because they're a little bit more undersized. But those two are probably the reason why the units improved the most since the first game of Big 12 play. And, and you would expect that from first-year starters, right? Hadley Panzer's only been in Manhattan for two years. He, he's a true sophomore. Uh, he played last year as a true freshman at Western Kansas a small town kid. So um, nobody, someone that nobody knew about as a recruit, but he's really come on for them. And I think the, another reason why that unit's improved, you know, since they opened up big 12 play by beating Oklahoma until now is just that they also had to endure probably one of the more significant injuries in within the league this year that probably goes unnoticed just because Taylor Portier um, was a right guard that they barely had. He got injured and was out for the season, you know, after like five quarters of play, maybe not even that many. Um, hard to remember at that point because it's been such a long time ago. September feels like eight months ago at this point. But uh, losing Taylor Portier was significant, and he's a guy that was supposed to start last year and was out for the season. He was supposed to start this year out for the season, and they view him as an all-Big 12 talent. So they're also just getting used to life without him. And, and the offensive tackles really came along last week too because Oklahoma State – Everyone knows, um, you know, one of the bright points of Oklahoma State is their defensive front. They have really good defensive ends, and Kansas State basically eliminated them from having any kind of impact. So the offensive line's come a long way. Uh, but the, the the rushing game looks a lot different depending on who the quarterback is. So that's a challenge for Texas because if Adrian Martinez is available, then you have a lot of quarterback run. You have a lot of probably read action where you got to maybe account for both him and Deuce Vaughn in the same play because you don't know if Adrian's going to keep or if he's going to pull it. So that's different. They do less of that with Will Howard because he's just not as mobile. But because you have to honor the passing game a little bit more with Will Howard than what we saw last week when Oklahoma State had to back off. We're like, okay, this guy's throwing around the yard a little bit. Then all of a sudden Deuce Vaughn gets going and pops off a few big ones because – you know, the gaps are there a little bit more than they would have been otherwise because now K-State is a passing game that, you know, challenges opposing defenses. And then they also um, are just trying to break in another running back, right? Because if you don't have Adrian Martinez, then you're going to have to have someone else to kind of supply that running game. And DJ Giddens is a redshirt freshman that's really starting to come on from Junction City, Kansas, a uh, small town just west of Manhattan. So he he's a little bit more of a power guy. 
So he'll get a little bit more downhill and run through tackles. And you mentioned the different looks of this offense, and I want to talk about the passing game more. Seems like that's more prominent when Will Howard is the quarterback for Kansas State. And they have a pretty solid wide receiver core over there with Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Cade Warner, all having solid years so far. And they really opened it up uh, last week against Oklahoma State. So can you just touch on a little bit more who in that wide receiver core stands out to you the most and just how much more of an aspect the offense is uh, on that side of the ball this week? Yeah, well, you you said it. It's just they're more of a threat through the air for whatever reason. Whether they don't think the arm talent's a whole lot different between Will Howard and Adrian Martinez. I really don't. I think the ball comes out pretty well for both of them. I think it's just that Howard's a little bit more willing to take chances, a little bit more willing to try to, to fill that ball into tight windows, a little bit more willing to push it downfield, um, a little bit riskier, I guess you could say. But it's not like he's thrown interception after interception, at least not this year. He has in his career. He's actually what he's done actually this year is a pretty good redemption story. If you want to look and see what his career has looked like in the middle and the you know the spot duty that he's had in his first two years of his career, but as a passing game, you know he falls in love with Malik. At least he has through you know you know about two fall two full ball games, fallen in love with Malik Knowles, uh, Texas native of course as well, a guy that I've always said is all conference talent, all conference ability, all conference upside but it's always lacked at all conference production, whether that's just the product of the system that he's been in at K-State that's really not necessarily been a vertical threat at any point in his career, or whether that's him just being a little bit inconsistent, banged up early in his career as well, but he's really come on. So um, if I was Texas, I think he's probably, because of his athleticism and his upside and potential uh, and burst explosiveness, just you know the playmaking ability that he – that he presents in the open field. He's probably who worries me the most just from that standpoint. Uh, but a lot of his productions come in the last three games, even when Adrian Martinez was there against Iowa state, right? Cause that goes back to that long 17 catches for 290 yards in his last three games. So um, I mean, that might count and I might account for 75% of his stats quite frankly. So he, he's, it's kind of been a three week story for him. Um, but he's always been, you know, ability has never been the question from Malik Knowles. Now, Phillip Brooks, probably a little bit more reliable of a receiver. He has really good hands. He's kind of an underneath threat slot type guy that they use in jet sweep action as well. Malik Knowles has actually been pretty potent as a jet sweep kind of guy against Texas in his career, but they really like to use Phillip Brooks in that role, but he he gets open the most, I would say. And then Cade Warner, you know, the last two weeks, I mean, he has four touchdowns to career in uh, this season, which I think he only had one, maybe not even a touchdown going into the season. So Kay Warner having a career year of sorts, but he had two of those touchdowns last week. He had the one-hander against TCU and you know to open up the ball game in the first half. So uh you can almost say he's kind of playing above his head a little bit, but man, if he does it three weeks in a row, you have a hard time saying that. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And that'll be especially interesting to see against the Texas secondary that has struggled at times this year and also pretty banged up. We'll see if uh, Ryan Watts is good to go. They're certainly going to need him for the rest of this season. Uh, I want to talk about the Kansas State defense a little bit more now. Just a couple notes on them. They lead the Big 12 in sacks with 23. They've intercepted 11 passes this season, and they also lead the Big 12 in turnover margin, plus nine, just an outstanding number there. What goes into creating those turnovers, and how have they been disciplined enough to keep it so one-sided for that defense? Well, they take care of the ball in offense, so if you, it, so that helps in margin as well. If they, I mean, I don't know that they have more than five turnovers this year, probably less than that. So that margin is really created in, in that respect as well. Interesting enough, all those turnovers, they've all been forced at home too. Kansas State has not forced a turnover on the road this year. Uh, this game's in Manhattan, so we'll see if that trend trend continues. And I think they're just a little bit they, – they play aggressive. For a team that you would expect K-State to, you know, kind of like stay back, right, keep everything in front of them, maybe not take any chances and, and just play bend but don't break defense, they typically don't do that. They they get after it, and, and but they're also helped by having a defensive line that can get home without having to, you know, send extra heat to the quarterback. Felix Andy Zama. I mean, he could play at Texas. Not a whole lot of Kansas State players could play at Texas. He's one of them that could. Um, they have a pretty good nose guard in Eli Huggins that most people think is top two or three in the league. So the defensive line really helps um, Kansas State, gives them the freedom to be a little bit more creative, exotic, and aggressive in, in the back end, I would say. When it comes to their corners, there's a lot of experience there. Julius Brent started all of last season. He's thought to be an NFL player in the future. Echo Boydo, this is his third season as a full-time starter. So a lot of experience at cornerback. Their third quarter has been a true freshman in Jacob Parrish, but he's played quite a bit of snaps this year. At safety, they actually have a lot of Texas kids. They have Drake Cheatham that played at Prairie View A&M before transferring to Kansas State. They have Kobe Savage, who played at Tyler Junior College and grew up a TCU fan. His dad's a huge Texas fan. So um, that goes into it as well. And then Josh Hayes, who, who was a transfer from Virginia, played at Chris Kleiman and, and North Dakota State before that. They – they don't have a lot of weaknesses um, in defense. Austin Moore, one of the best linebackers in the Big 12. They're, they are not what people would think from a Kansas State defense. You would think a lot of try-hard, um, high-effort type players that are probably playing above their head and or just you know put themselves into a system and schematically just play to it perfectly without making any mistakes. No, I mean, they got some more dudes on that side of the ball than they typically have. For Kansas State, they are a developmental program, but they're in that part of the development where they've reached that pinnacle of that three- or four-year you know, graduation kind of rate system where they're playing their best football in a lot of them at the same time and with a lot of experience and a lot of older players, and it's all gelling. Um, it, it's not just happening overnight, right? That shutout of Oklahoma State is not the only time that they've played well as a unit. They've – they shut out the first game of the year. They held Iowa State to nine points. I know everybody's doing that, but that's pretty well. If you look at TCU and their offensive numbers, um, they're the number one offense in Big 12 via a lot of the metrics you want to look at from an advanced standpoint. But they had some of their lowest numbers against Kansas State. The lowest yards per play came against Kansas State. The lowest yards per rush came against Kansas State. So the Wildcats have given uh, a lot of teams a lot of fits this year. 
Yeah, no doubt they've been impressive all season, and they're going to have to go up against an offense who could potentially give them a lot of fits Last uh, uh, this coming week. Last year, Roshan Johnson runs for 179 yards on them. This year, they not only have to deal with Roshan again, but you add in B. John Robinson, arguably one of the best running backs in the country in there. Not to mention in the passing game, you've got Xavier Worthy, Jatavion Sanders, those two having big seasons. Quinn Ewers, maybe if he can find his stride after a really shaky uh, road opener for his career against Oklahoma State. Uh, what what how do they account for that run game after struggling against it last year? And then also you add in the aspect of a passing game that can really take off if it's unchecked. I mean, I know the numbers say TCU is the best offense in the Big 12, and a lot of it's due to the explosiveness, Max Duggan, you know, coming out and setting the world on fire this year. But I think Texas is still probably the most challenging offense that Kansas State will face this year. I know it seemed like Chris Kleiman was uh, certainly a believer of that when he spoke to the media on Tuesday. You know, he said, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is probably the best offensive mind that he goes up against every year, um, at least from a play calling standpoint, because he just knows how to get the right guy touches at the right time in the right spot. And they just make you tackle um, just because they're going to give Xavier Worthy, Worthy the ball. They're going to give Bijan Robinson the ball. They're going to get Roshan Johnson the ball. And all three of those guys are dynamite once they get it. Once they get it, you know, they're a threat to score every time they touch it. So it, it just puts you in a bind. It makes you tackle. It makes you tackle. And not a lot of teams can tackle anymore, right? The football's a little bit different. You don't go up against it a lot in practice. You don't, you barely pra- uh, tackle in practice because you're afraid of, you know, in week injuries, but uh, Kansas State's tackled well this year. The one time that they didn't was against TCU and Kendra Miller got loose. So, I mean, it is a concern. I think Texas is the scariest offense that they'll face this year. It wasn't just last year, right? I know Roshan Johnson, Texas didn't really have a quarterback last year, and they had to go wildcat for the most part and still beat Kansas State because Kansas State couldn't convert, you know, in short, short, yardage, short yardage situations themselves. So it's an interesting uh, football game from, from that standpoint. But 2020 was a year that Texas ran all over Kansas State as well. They scored 70 points in Manhattan that year. And Bijan Robinson had a bit of a, I wouldn't say a coming out party. Everybody knew he was good, but that game he really took off. Of course, Kansas State was shredded that year because I think they were one of the teams that kind of fell victim to the COVID bug the most. And I think they were playing – I think three of their safeties that game were, were linebackers, um, if I remember correctly. So that's probably not a not a fair game to look at, but that's two years in a row where we know that Texas just you know decimated Kansas State on the ground. I think Texas has won five games in a row in the series, so Kansas State's certainly going to be hungry to to defeat K State or to defeat Texas. Well, a couple more for you here, Derek, before we let you go. Uh, quickly on injuries, we talked about Adrian Martinez a little bit earlier. We know Will Howard's not necessarily 100%, but he looks good to go. What other injuries are the Wildcats dealing with, and how can they you know, potentially have a major impact on this game? Yeah, well, two of their three middle linebackers are did not play against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. One of them's out for the year, Bill Palmer. Um, and the other one's Daniel Green, who, like I said, is an all-Big 12 type player who was named all big 12 before the season. He's questionable at best. He tried to give it a go before the game while he was in the weight room, trying to, you know, trying to get everything to respond and just didn't go right for him. And he was worried about being a liability too. So uh, he's questionable at best. Uh, it's a rib injury. So although I think we're probably talking about a pain tolerance issue at this point. So whether or not he can go is probably not going to be determined until about game time on Saturday in Manhattan. Hadley Panther a little bit banged up at right guard, but he's going to go. Taylor Porty is another player. He's already out for the year um, along the offensive line. Other than that, I mean, Deuce Vaughn's not 100%, but he's improving, it sounds like. 
um, at running back. Uh, just a lot of Kansas State's been really banged up this year. So I'm trying to remember everything. Felix, Andy DK, Uzama's got a little bit of a lingering injury as well, but he's going to play. Julius Brent's a little bit of a lingering injury at corner, but I think he's going to play. Uh, Sincere Mason and TJ Smith, some lingering injuries in the secondary there, but I think they're going to play. So for the most part, I think everyone's going to play. The one that we're probably – actually two that we're waiting on is Daniel Green and Adrian Martinez. I have no idea on Daniel Green. That one's probably truly 50-50. Adrian Martinez is probably 50-50, but, man, just the way Will Howard's playing – you'd think that that might just motivate them to go with him at least one more week. Yeah, certainly seems like it. Now, the way he's been playing, maybe just a mid-game switch, if anything, if Howard hits a roadblock or something like that. Uh, last question for you, Derek. Kansas State has already beaten two top 10 teams this season. They're ranked 13th in the country right now, firing on all cylinders. But like you mentioned earlier, they haven't beaten Texas in five years. What are they going to have to do this Saturday to try and get over that road bump? What's going to have to go right if they want to do that? I, can't, I mean, tech, everyone knows Texas is going to probably – across the board, um, Kansas State is certainly more talented than they typically are on a yearly basis, and I think Texas would probably even admit that. I think Sark made light of that. Like, K-State has a bit more players this year um, that they have to be concerned about, but te- Texas is still the more talented team. They, they, I mean, they got dudes at every spot. So for Kansas State, you, you got to win and, and maybe the hidden spots, just like you normally would against Texas. And being at home and, and where that's happened for them has been in that turnover margin that we already took. I don't think Kansas State's going to win the game if they're even in the turnover margin. So trying to overwhelm Quinn Ewers a little bit and make life hard on him, just like Oklahoma State did when he was on the road for the first time. I think that's important. And um, you know, probably have Will – you know, Adrian Martinez is the one to beat Oklahoma, and he looked really good at the beginning of the Big 12 play and kind of willed Kansas State to victories on the ground. But I really do think this is the game where they, where Will Howard could come into play a little bit more, and maybe it's even a better matchup. I'm not saying you pick your quarterback based on matchups. This isn't, you know, a baseball game where you're bringing in a lefty to face the left-hander, you know, the pinch hitter off the bench. But you got to wonder, you know, with all things being equal, and it feels like it is, right, Adrian Martinez being a 50-50 proposition – um, Texas is a little bit more leaky when it comes to the passing game than they are the rushing attack. And your rushing game kind of took off a little bit even more, at least on a yards per play, yards per rush kind of thing, when you, when you had a passing game that, that teams had to fear with Will Howard, a quarterback. So uh, just winning the turnover margin, making life a little little bit more difficult for Quinn Ewers and and just not beating yourself um, and, and not leaving points on the field. They did that against TCU. They left – probably 13 points on the field. They, they they missed a touchdown by a tick of a throw, just slightly overthrown. They missed two field goals. Um, they, they left, I think, 17 points on the field against Iowa State. You do that, you're not going to beat Texas. So that's certainly something they can't do. And, and you know, something that's got to carry over a little bit is third down defense because um, Texas is going to move the ball. When you do get them in third down, you got to stop them uh, and, or force field goals, do something along those lines. Texas is a team that has struggled on those third and fourth downs, so we'll see how much of an effect that has on Saturday. Longhorns hitting the field again after a bye week at 6 p.m. this Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium up in Manhattan, Kansas. Huge thank you to Derek Young of K-State Online for joining us today. Make sure to head over to their website on the On3 Network and check out the great work they do over there. And while you're over there, give Derek a follow on Twitter at DerekYoungKSO. That's going to wrap things up for us on this episode of On Texas Football. Thank you so much for watching, as always. And be sure to come back tomorrow. I'll be joined by Ian Boyd for our weekly game preview episode. Lastly, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel for more content throughout the week. 
Thanks so much again for joining us and for our producer, Matthew Hutchinson, and all the great folks at Inside Texas. My name is Tommy R. saying see you next time and have a great rest of your day.